When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less tax. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of Wealth Ability. So over the past year and a half, we've seen big businesses just soar and small businesses get hammered. Uh, first in the pandemic and now under the, admin, the new administration's tax policies and other business policies. And I am so thrilled today because we're gonna be able to look at the policy behind this, what's really going on. We're gonna dig deep into it and we have a really truly expert on this. Karen Kerrigan, who's with the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. And uh, I am so excited to have you, Karen. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, would you just give us, um, you know, a, a short bio? What do you guys do? And why are, you know, why are you talking about this stuff? You bet. And thank you for having me today. It, it's great to join you and your audience of small business owners and entrepreneurs. SBE Council, we are an advocacy research and education organization. We have more than 100,000 members throughout the country. We're dedicated to protecting small business, promoting entrepreneurship. I mean, we do, mostly what we focus on is advocacy, advancing policies that are gonna be good for small business growth and competitiveness and to encourage more entrepreneurship uh, across the country. So we've been doing this for 27 years, not only at home, but around the world. I've traveled globally everywhere, you know, working with governments on what they can do to encourage entrepreneurship, investment, wealth creation, to make their countries more small business friendly from a policy perspective. Well, I, I, I love that. We are on the same side here, Karen, for sure. Um, and so are our listeners. We're all on the same page here. And, uh, and I'm so excited to have that it's good to know that there are people out there advocating for small business and that it's not just these big businesses that are trying to, uh, and literally are taking over the world. So let's start if we can, Karen, with a pandemic. So here we had policies that uh, it's okay for Target to stay open because they happen to have a grocery store, but it's not okay for the clothing boutique down the street to stay open because they don't have groceries, but effectively they're the same store, right? Except for the grocery piece, um, which is really a small piece of Target. So what's going on there? Why, I mean, why would you even do that? You know, I, I get the mask mandate. I'm actually pro on the mask, on, on mm -hmm. masks. I, they, they clearly work and they, they really is all, all we ever needed to do was wear masks. And I think yeah. we would have been fine. But why this policy of really penalizing the small business and encouraging the big business? Well, it was a, a massive overreaction. And from the beginning of the pandemic, when it first hit in March, I mean, obviously we were very, very concerned March of last year 
when we started seeing these dramatic edicts on business closure and just basically closing the economy. And we said from the beginning, look, it's small businesses can can do this smart and safe. They have every incentive to do this. And why? It just doesn't make sense to be hoarding more and more people into uh, you know, one location into these larger stores where you could spread them out, you know, if they could go to the small business of their choice. And, you know, we did see small business pivot very quickly, being able to use technology, um, you know, being able to deliver, to do uh, pick up at the store. But in, the bottom line is, you know, closing these stores was just was an overreach. And, um, and, and unfortunately, I don't know what the final count is going to be, but millions of small businesses have closed. Many have not reopened or they're just starting to reopen right now. And there's still a tough road ahead in terms of digging out um, of the past year. So yeah, it was really unfair to small business. And from the beginning, we, we were just trying to knock some sense uh, into policymakers, both here in Washington and across the country. Right. I mean, you make a good point that how do you social distance when everybody's at Costco um, right. in, instead of going to their lo- their other smaller stores where they could socially distance, right? I mean, I think in my little um, uh, neighborhood uh, grocery store, they had really strict, you know, social distancing rules. They had the arrows on the floor. Here's how you go. All of this kind of stuff. It's a little teeny tiny store, right? It was a grocery store. So got to stay open. But all of those boutiques, my my wife's very most favorite clothing store in the world, a little Italian owner in uh, San Francisco on Market Street shut down permanently after 44 years uh, yeah. because because of the, the the mandates to stay closed and, and the PPP loans were just not enough uh, to keep them open. So, you know, it's one thing that, you know, the PPP loans were great for employees, but they didn't cover your inventory costs and they didn't cover all those other costs that, that, that you had. So to me, it was just a, a shame and it was just horrible, horrible policy. But what's, what's disturbing to me is it seems, uh, Karen, to con- have continued into this new administration. I cannot point to a policy in the new administration that is not anti-small business. So what's going on? I mean, why is uh, Joe Biden, who you know, you know, came across during the the election process as middle of the road, you know, I'm going to bring everybody together. And now he seems to have gone to, well, it's all about the unions and it's all about the left. And and we don't have any care whatsoever about small business. In fact, we're going to actually decimate small business. We'll talk about that in a minute with our tax policy. So what is going on here? Well, you know, look at, I think even Joe Biden might've campaigned you know, as a moderate or um, said, look, the history of how I've legislated and I've been a moderate, but really there was nothing moderate um, about his policies when you really dug deep into the campaign material uh, in terms of a lot of a lot of the uh, legislation and uh, initiatives that we're fighting against now. You talk about the unions, the PRO Act that, you know, we are advocating against a lot of the tax policies as well, raising the corporate rate, raising the individual rate capital gains taxes, the death taxes. I mean, all these things that are really going to crush small business. And on the regulatory side as well, just a whole host of regulations on every sector of the economy. So we're not really surprised and shocked, you know, where President Biden is right now in terms of 
proposing and moving forward with these. In fact, you know, he's doubling down and yeah. he's including a lot of these policies in places where they typically wouldn't go, like the PRO Act, the pro-union PRO Act, going in the infrastructure package. Right. I mean, this is, and uh, so that clearly shows that he's not really for bipartisanship, that he really, he wants to shove this stuff through. And it is very dangerous for small business. And, you know, look at, they're not in a position right now, you know, to be paying more taxes or dealing with more burdensome regulation when they're digging out of uh, the COVID-19 mess. Let, let's just start with the unemployment, right? So who gets hammered with this $300 a week unemployment? It's the small business, right? It's the it's a small locally owned restaurant. It's a small business who's trying to hire. You know, you've seen McDonald's, uh, for example, offering big bonuses, right? Even mm -hmm. just for applying, right? And so they can buy them off, but the small business can't afford to do that. And so now what you have is this, this uh, fortunately, Arizona, where I am, uh, recently our governor stopped that. They, they've got that stopped as of July, and they're no more $300 per week. I've never liked a big bonus when the economy's open. The economy's open now. So, right. you know, it's, it's fine when the economy's closed. You've got to take care of those people, and I'm all for that. Um, but when the economy's open, and, and if you, for example, last night, my wife and I go in, uh, we're... We want to go to one of our favorite local restaurants. Lo and behold, it's closed. They've been around for 40 years mm -hmm. and they're closed. And if you're not open now in Arizona, you're not going to be open because right. uh, I agree. We, we end up going to a different uh, little Mexican restaurant and it was packed. So that means that there's plenty of people. There's plenty of patrons. There's just not, um, the, the, you know, let's begin with there aren't workers. Um, yes. to, to come in because there's clear, uh, and I'd like to ask you about that. Is is the data really that clear that the three hundred dollars a week is keeping people home? Well, we think it is. I mean, we think there definitely the cost and effect is there. And um, I mean, yes. So this is sort of the big barrier that is hurting many small businesses' ability to sort of recover and to ramp back up. And um, so just like Arizona, thank goodness. Um, I, I forget how many states, I think 20 some odd states right now have, you know, decided to get rid of that 300, you know, unemployment insurance because it really was holding back, you know, the, the hiring efforts of small business owners and every single, every single survey, you know, that we've seen from the NFIB to the chamber to all the other business groups clearly rank, you know, access to labor as one of their key issues and one of their, the key burdens and problems in, in, in terms of them being able to, you know, get back on a path of recovery. If you don't have the people to take advantage of this recovery, right, then you can't, you can't begin to dig out. So yes, and luckily we're seeing some action on that at the state level. And I think that's causing a lot of momentum here in Washington to rethink the 300 and just to oh, let it die, let it die you know, when it expires. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it doesn't expire until September, right? I know, so, I know, uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, so. well, but, but, you know, there were those calling for that to continue, you know, and- well, uh, that's they, true. And they, and then, you know, what's yeah. it, it's been interesting to me because to me, the $300 uh, bonus is really a, a trial of a universal basic income, right? Yes. That's a trial, what will happen? And I was frankly surprised to see how many people would stay home rather than go to work. Uh, like my son- he was, he qualified. He says, I want to work. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but that's his nature. He's an entrepreneur by nature. He's comes by it naturally. And, um, 
but I thought more people would be like that. So it was actually a little surprising to me. I actually thought maybe it was a worthwhile trial to see what would happen. Now we know, right? Yeah. Universal basic income doesn't work yes. <laughs> as long as you have jobs, right? I mean, if you don't have jobs, that's one thing, but as long as you have jobs, uh, that's a whole different animal. Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. So if we can, Karen, let's turn a little bit to my favorite subject, which is the tax um, topic mm -hmm. and what the, these policies the capital gains tax in particular, uh, the 1031 exchanges, um, which is a, 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 to me an attack on small business. From your standpoint and from what you're seeing, how would these policies, what would they do to small business? Well, they would have a, a direct negative impact. You know, it was interesting to me, I was watching the um, a Small Business Administration Administrator, Isabella Guzman, uh, testifying before the House Small Business Committee this week, and Republican members were asking her about these tax policies, and she said, "Oh, they absolutely will not impact small businesses. You know, for they will absolutely not. Whether it's capital gains, corporate, individual, you know, it's the smallest. You know, it's only the wealthy. It's only the big corporations. Well, that's absolutely wrong. And she didn't even know that the bulk of C corps in this country, you know, are actually." small businesses. I mean, 96.2% of C-Corps have under 100 employees, 72.5% have under 10 employees. So raising the corporate rate from 21 to 28% is going to hit these small businesses hard, hurt their competitiveness, their the capital they need to invest and grow, obviously jacking up the individual. Uh, the top rate back to 39.7 is going to have a, a, a huge impact. Um, on entrepreneurs and small businesses, um, you know, the moderately successful ones, you know, who basically use their profits, plow it back into their business, right, to invest, compete, and grow. And um, you know, on our website, sbecouncil.org, we have a great piece. It's right on the front page, where our, our chief economist Ray Keating goes through the numbers, and he said, "Look, at for every big corporation that's impacted by all of these tax proposals, 108 small businesses." are impacted by these tax proposals. So, and that's direct. That doesn't even include the capital gains tax and you know some of these others that really hurt capital formation, um, the incentive to invest in businesses. Uh, so it's gonna really hurt small businesses directly, our economic recovery, and therefore, you know, the environment, right? The the whole the whole environment that small businesses need um, in order to to grow. Uh, survive and hopefully, hopefully thrive. Yeah. So I actually have a theory. I, I actually think this is intentional and I, I actually think it's intentional by the big businesses. And I think the biz, big businesses are get, actually getting government to do their dirty work. And here's, here's my theory. Okay. See what you think. Um, I, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I just 
for the record, that is not where I come from. What I'm looking at is the actual effect of the policy. So let's say, for example, that you um, were an employee and you put in and you saved your money diligently, you funded your 401k to the maximum possible. And when you turned, say, 65, you had $2 million in your 401k. Okay. The effect of this capital gains tax, by the way, is as if the day you turn 65, the government took and taxed that entire $2 million at the marginal rate that you had that day. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because when you consider a small business owner, we small business owners, I'm one, I have four different small businesses that I run. And you consider a small business owner, we put all of our money into yeah. our business. We put, that is our retirement. And then how do we retire? We sell the business. Well, if we have a 40% capital gains tax, then the day we sell the business, even though we've never made over 400,000, even if we've never made over $400,000 a year ever, okay? But with, a, you know, right now we're looking at multiples of like six to eight times for the sale of a small business. It means that the day we sell our small business, we are automatically in that top rate and we've got 40% of, of all that money we've saved being taxed at that point, even if we don't take it for years and years and years. That's right. Okay. That's right. And to me, that is a coordinated effort. On top of that, now let's talk about this absolutely, in my mind, abhorrent policy idea to tax capital gains at death. Yes. Okay. This would be, in my mind, the worst attack on small business in the history of the United States, because consider that um, that means that you would literally most small businesses would be forced to sell the the heirs would be forced to sell the business. They're going to sell it in a fire sale, and who's going to buy it? The big yeah. business. Big They're going to buy right. it. I mean, Developers, you know, yes, absolutely. Big ag, big the, agriculture. Yep. When it big comes agriculture to is going to come in and sweep up and buy the the small farms. Big business going to come in and small buy the small businesses, and that's what's going to happen. And they're just, and the rich will get richer. So this, this whole dialogue by the administration that, oh, well, we, you know, we're really going after the rich is really, um, to me, just a smokescreen because the, the truly rich get much richer under all of the policies that we're looking at. I actually think that Jeff Bezos and, and uh, Bill Gates and these guys are just laughing and they're going, this is so cool. We can never do this on our own, but thank you, um, Biden administration for doing this. And, and I'm not anti-Joe Biden per se, I, I, I'm I actually not. And yet these policies are so, but I'm so pro small business. I think that where all of these policies have passed, I think it would spell the end of small business in the United States. Tell well, me your thoughts on that. Oh, it, it would absolutely be crushing. And look, as it is with the death tax, right? is very difficult with the death tax um, without the elimination of stepped up basis would just be crushing. So as it is with the death tax, a lot of businesses don't make it to the next generation, right? Business owners, they have to spend lots and lots of money, hire lots of people in order to make it happen. And that costs a lot of money and a lot of people can't do that. So they end up just selling it outright. It doesn't go to the next generation. If you eliminate, eliminate stepped up basis where you're just taxing, you know, applying that capital gains tax to when someone who maybe bought a, a building that's worth 10 million now, 40 years ago, say for $50,000, right? Or $25,000 in an urban area, 
where where are the heirs going to come going to come up with that money to pay for that? I mean, so look at that. This is going to be a massive wealth transfer to to the government and, and a massive wealth transfer to wealthy people. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah that, I mean, the thing. I mean, the people who get uh, the, the government gets money, but I think in the end, the government loses money. And, and the reason is because investing in small business is such a cheap investment for the government and they get mm -hmm. so much out of it. They get employment, they get the taxes on the employment, uh, on the wages, they right. get- um, they, they, I agree with you, I agree with you. On the profits. I actually think this is a net loser uh, right. the government, the capital, the whole capital gain scenario uh, between the, the, now, if you want to tax Wall Street transactions at a 40% rate, go for it. I, I don't care. Um, but when you're talking about small business, small farms, the people that you and I care about, uh, Karen, I, I think that this is, I think it's going to be very discouraging for anybody to go into business. If any, if, frankly, if any of these policies pass, well, I think the good news, uh, particularly on this capital gains tax and eliminating stepped up basis, it's even too radical for some Democrats. And, and particularly those, you know, this, uh, we've heard from senators, um, you know, from those farm states or from other states that are like, wow, this really, really goes too far. But now they're asking, well, can we exempt small farms? Can we, we can't get to this where we're starting to exempt, you know, types of industries. If it's bad, for ag, yeah. it's bad for all. Right. And um, so I think we're making some headway on educating on that issue. Look at, we're for eliminating capital gains taxes and death taxes. <laughs> we think the perfect rate should be oh, zero on and, both. And it, and it should be because it's a, it's a second tax, right? You already got taxed on the earnings. Now yes. you're taxing it a, a second time. So um, particularly, frankly, a dividend, the tax on dividends, um, to me, you know, most countries, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but most countries that I've studied either have a deduction at the corporate level for dividends, or there's no tax at the individual level when they receive the dividends because that income's already been taxed once. You know this. Uh, you know now you add a capital gains tax on top of that, you you effectively double, triple tax all of the income that's earned. Well, well now as you know, we're for you know sort of a global minimum tax, right? We're encouraging countries throughout the world to tax more and to come up with higher taxes. And you know, this really goes against everything the U.S. has been for in terms of encouraging entrepreneurship, free market capitalism. As far as I've been around, working across administrations, Biden, Bush, Clinton, when the State Department has sent me everywhere, we've talked about the ease of doing business. And what we need to do to foment democracy and free market capitalism, it's lower taxes and lower regulations. So, you know, the World Bank report comes out, the ease of doing business. The countries that have less taxes, less burdens are easier to do business. So now, but we're moving in a radical direction now. And, and this is very, very scary. And, um, and that's why we need business owners and entrepreneurs, your listeners uh, and yourself, just continuing to weigh in on this issue to point to the dangers of this. Um, we're going to need your help, you know, definitely this year to fight back some of these proposals. Let's talk about that. What what can we do? What can the what can the small business owner do? What can the entrepreneur do um, to make a difference uh, in these policies? They, they have to use their voice. They have to contact their members of Congress. They have to um, advocate for themselves and for their business. I know this is not what they do. It's very difficult right now in terms of rebuilding their business, transforming, pivoting, um, but the survival of their business depends on these policies. And at SBE Council, we make it very easy to do. 
If you want to sign up for our e-news, Small Business Insider, you go to our website, sbecouncil.org. We'll keep you appraised of all the policies that are happening, the action that you can take, who you need to contact, when you need to write con comments, if you need to contact your senator, your house member. We make it very easy to do so. And we really count on our members, their voice, to come testify for us on Capitol Hill, to write comments. It really does make a difference when small business owners and entrepreneurs weigh in. Amen to that. And, you know, I'm in Arizona. We have, we have two Democratic senators. Either one of them votes against this and it's dead. So, um, you know, certainly if you're in Arizona, you're in a state, you're in Georgia, you're in a state that is narrowly, uh, you, you know, you're, you're the Democratic senator nar narrowly won. Uh, the Republicans clearly aren't going to go for this. So we're pretty safe for the Republicans, it seems like. But there are some Democrats that we really need to pay attention to. There are probably some Republicans, too. But uh, to me, writing, writing your senator, I've never... I've never proposed that so much as I have this year, just because I think they'll listen. I, I do. Yes. I think they're going to end up listening. You know, and, and particularly in a state like Arizona, as you mentioned, with Senator Cinema and Kelly, the the left is relentless with them. You know, in this regard, in terms of trying to push through a lot of right. these agendas. And but a Cinema, for example, has stayed firm on the Pro Act and some right. of these other bills. And, and I think Kelly is there as well, but that's why pressure matters from small business owners to be the voice of reason, the voice of common sense, because the pressure on all these senators is tremendous. And we've just got to outwork. We got to outwork the bad guys <laughs> on these policies in order to in order to hold back the tidal wave of bad things that can happen to small businesses. As you know, financial education is critical when it comes to creating wealth, passive income and saving on taxes. Gain expert knowledge as Marco Santorelli shares valuable insights and proven strategies for making money with real estate on the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast. Over the last five years, his guests have included Robert Kiyosaki, Mark Victor Hansen, Garrett Sutton, Brendan Burchard, Jim Rogers, and yours truly, Tom Wheelwright, just to name a few. If you're a busy person looking for actionable advice on the road to financial freedom, then this is the podcast for you. Available on every podcast platform or simply visit PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. That's PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. As we start to wrap up here, and thank you so much for your time, just uh, one little note. So actually, we um, somebody's run numbers and I've confirmed them. Uh, if, if you were in California and let's say you invested early on and you got founder shares in a business and you were, and you die with those shares and let's say they're worth 100 million dollars so i'm not going to run through the math here but i don't know if you've seen that karen you have any idea based on all the proposals how much the heirs would end up with out of that 100 million they probably have to pay 80 to 90 million of that 98 million they would pay in taxes 2 million would be left well, the only reason I sort of was close was because we've run some fair. examples as well. Um, you know, on twenty million dollar estates, thirty million for small businesses. It's mm -hmm. that's crazy. Like I said, it's confiscation. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. if you consider a hundred million dollars and ninety eight million dollars goes to the government. And here's the problem. Here, here's my fundamental challenge, and that is that since when does the government ever do something better than the private sector? I mean, ever.
do Never. they do something better than the private sector? So, okay, yes, defense, we need. Roads, we need. Those things we need in the public sector. Education, probably, although I'm not only overly convinced there because we're getting better and better charter schools and private schools. Uh, but my point is, is that you get leverage with private enterprise that you don't get. Uh, government does something and the best they get back for a dollar of expenditure is a dollar of production. Whereas if what they're doing instead is encouraging um, entrepreneurship, they may, they may uh, give a dollar, but get back $10 in production. And so I'm just uh, such a big fan of entrepreneurship. I think this is what made America great. I think it's the only thing that keeps America great. It's what makes America different from every other country in the world is the emphasis on entrepreneurship. So I wanna thank you, especially Karen, for what you're doing in the SBE Council. I would encourage everybody to go to SBE Council. Uh, tell us where we can find you, how we can, um, and, and what we can do to, you know, again, what we can do to help you do your job. Oh, and thank you for, for giving us uh, this platform today. Yes, sbecouncil.org, our website. Sign up for our e-news, our Small Business Insider. A great weekly recap of what's happening in Washington, plus a lot of good tips and trends for to help your business grow and succeed. On Twitter, at SBE Council, Facebook, SBE Council. We're really easy to find. LinkedIn, SBE Council. Wherever you get your, whatever social media platform you use, we're there. And uh, we'll alert you when we need you to weigh in as well. We need we need more small businesses in this fight up on Capitol Hill. And we look forward to uh, engaging with all your listeners. And thank you so much again, you know, for having me on. Well, thank you, Karen. Uh, this is, I think, uh, I think this is a turning point uh, in the history of the United States. And um, I, I think that uh, we have to unite. Um, entrepreneurs tend to, we tend to do our own thing, right? But mm -hmm. this is one case where we need to cooperate, we need to unite, because otherwise uh, the reality is, is that we're not talking about little tiny policy changes. We're talking about, we're ta talking about policy changes that make what we used to think of liberal look conservative. Yes. And, and it's not that it's liberal or progressive, it's, it's none of that. It's just that it's decimating to the entrepreneurial spirit. And so uh, anything we can do, thank you, Karen, uh, sbcouncil.org. Please, please, please uh, write your senators, make sure that uh, we all get involved in this because um, that's the only way we're going to continue being who we've been and having the opportunities we've had, um, because otherwise I think some of these uh, some of these policies are so devastating that the only thing that will be left, frankly, is you're going to get to go eat at a chain restaurant and you're never, ever going to be able to get to a local restaurant again. You're never, ever going to get to a, a, a small, you want a local accountant, you're never going to find them. You want uh, a, a, a local, uh, a little boutique shop to buy clothing, not going to happen. So remember all of these, it's not just you, right? It's not just us and our business. It's how is this world going to, going to end up? And uh, remember when we do this, when we get involved, when we actually, and I'm not really a, a normally politically motivated, but in this case, I'm entrepreneurship motivated. And when we do that, what the end result of our actions will be way more money and way less taxes. We'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.